It's Sunday. It's time for the rock show. Episode 23. I got um, Rock Mike is here. Hello. Um, Rob Rossi is here. Yes, you are. And it's um, August 4th, uh, 2019. Damn, I got the year right. And we are live from the international. We got a special show today. We will, we're going to talk about the jam. Me and Micah did a little research, a um, little background search um, about the jam. Um, and I also would like to give a shout out to uh, the Banana Show. They um, put Zachary. us on the page, Zachary and his uh, boy Andrew. I also want to give a big shout out to Lost. He got, um, we're, going, we're going to have his show on his network pretty soon. I'm talking to him. I got to load up some okay. shows. I got over 150 shows, so we could do whatever, put right. whatever. Um, and um, and that's pretty much it. And Boogie Lives. And right, since we're doing shout <laughs> Boogie Lives. He's right here. And, oh, Shout I got, out to Boogie. I, I got I to tell you that that, that show, the Dead Kennedy, is still hot. People yeah. still listen to that show. Yeah, George was a great guest. Great George guest. And, yeah. dude, you see the conspiracy thing? He hit like 500. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> That one episode is like 12, 1,300 hits or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and then we got the, so far too sure the conspiracy theory had gone crazy. But let's do the rock show. Right. Rock and Mike, give me some information right. about these uh, bad motherfuckers. About, uh, talk about the jam, the British band. Uh, in my opinion, they're one of the more interesting, probably one of the most interesting bands to come out of the UK in the last like 40 years. Uh, they came up through the punk scene. They actually started a little bit before that. Explain that in a minute, but uh, they were really just way more than what was going on in that scene. Oh, they were you like know? totally different. Like they were like, they, you know what? They got a lot of influence from Motown. They got influence from like uh, the Who. Mm-hmm. So they were very yeah. influential by and, a lot and of these they guys. Give, they didn't give a fuck, basically, <laughs> as far as people talking that down. Yeah. You know? But let me let me give a little background here. Uh, a guy named uh, Sean Egan wrote a book about the jam, and it's a gr- it's a great quote. It says, uh, he, "This is a quote from Egan. He says they took social protest and mm. cultural authenticity to the top of the charts." Yep. And uh, if you break that statement down, I mean, the social protest they had, they had songs about that. What's that? Well, I got the same thing here about them. The, 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 the oh yeah, social... we're getting some of the same uh, sources, but. That biographer uh, wrote that book, Sean Egan, and, he, and if you break that down, you know, a lot of the songs were about social protest and cultural authenticity. What I mean by cultural authenticity is, is like, you know, they were very British. Oh yeah, they were okay? super British. In, in the same way that like the Kinks, the Kinks were, yeah. and, and a bunch of other bands. And I, I think that bands that are like very British don't make it in. Yeah. Okay, for some reason. All right, they're, they're, you know, they seem like the bands that, that are, you know, almost, uh, it's almost like a foreign language or a foreign country, you know, yeah. it just doesn't resonate here as much as some of the other British bands that are like less British. Yeah. Anyway, um, they had 18 consecutive top 40 singles. In the yeah, UK that's Between that's 77 and 82, that's, that's very impressive. impressive. Four number ones yeah. in those years. Um, what were the number ones? I had a list. No, well, I got, I, I got the, uh, as, we, as we go, I'll, I'll yeah. bring them up. Because it, it was crazy. They were like, they were, like, I don't really consider them like punk either. They were more to me like, because they had long songs. They were more like rock and like, they were like they, rock they, and roll. They were, mod, they were, they were mod, they were mods, they were, they were R&B Mod-y. fans, they were punk yeah. fans. They were kind of like a mishmash of all these things. Yeah. Um, and really, Weller's, just his songwriting ability. Uh, was fantastic. I mean, to me, out of out of England, 
probably the best songwriters in the last 50 years is like Ray Davies, Paul Weller, uh, Nick Lowe. Yep. Okay. Uh, and you include the Stones with that, Jagger and Richards. You remember, but like mainly, you know, the Kinks and, and, and Weller are just like amazing. Yeah, they were like, fuck this. But what a lot of people don't realize is, is Paul Weller was playing music before anybody in that punk scene. The oh, band yeah. actually started in 72. Yeah. A good four or five years before the punk scene yeah. really had taken off. And uh, they were playing, uh, at the time he was playing bass and, and being lead vocals. And he had different lineups with him. Yeah, they, they were, they they were, were called were, the Jam. Yeah, but they were all they different, were different lineups. lineups. And they were based out of Woking in Surrey, England. Woking yep. is a, a town where, where Weller was from. And um, by 1975 or so, uh, the lineup solidified with Paul Weller yep. on bass and singing. A guy named Steve uh, Brooks on guitar. Rick Buckler on drums and Bruce Foxton also on guitar. Now, in the early years, they Bruce, pl- Bruce Foxton, Foxton is also another in, inter- in, uh, interesting guy. He got yeah, a lot of history. Yeah, no, yeah, he had some hits on his own after yeah. the jam, and and he was a contributing songwriter uh, during the jam's existence, and it has some great songs written and sung by him too. Yeah. Um, in the early years, they played American Arm, uh, rock and roll, like Chuck Berry covers, a Little Richard covers. And at some point, probably around 75, 76, Paul Weller got really interested in, in, in the mod scene that existed in the early to mid-60s. Based around The Who, uh, bands that were mod were very interested in American R&B, Motown, Stax Records, uh, everything on Atlantic Records in, the, in America at that time was soul music. Uh, if you look at the early Who, they, they were mods, and basically, uh, Wello kind of wanted to revive that whole thing. Um, they started dressing in suits, yep. skinny ties, suits, and they, they looked like the early Who. You look at those early yeah. pictures of them, they, they look yeah. like the Who. Um, Brooks, it's almost like the specials did the same thing, right? The specials, the specials they were, were dressed were, in were ties. interested in mod, but that was more of a ska, ska reggae yeah, thing. Ska, right, I mean, yeah. but, but, you know, there was crossover There was a crossover, that, yeah. The mods, the mods were into ska yeah, and reggae, yeah. too. Um, Brooks would leave the band kind of, I think, over this change, okay? And uh, Foxton would switch over to bass, right? Uh, Weller would ask him to do that, and then Weller would play guitar. Guitar, yeah. Sing. Yeah. Okay. Now... So now you got Weller and guitar singing, you got Foxton on bass and Buckler on drums, and that lineup would last until the end of the jam. Okay? That was, uh, As opposed to so many of these other yeah. bands we've been doing lately with a million lineups, that really was the, the lineup that stuck. But they still that. had a, this guy, um, he had the jam, but he had a bunch of other people he played until he had that lineup in 77 to 82. Yeah, um, right, but Paul as far Weller as when they yeah. first got signed yeah. and stuff, they, they kept that same lineup. Yeah. You know? um, also, Paul Weller's father managed the band. Yeah. Interesting, interesting thing. Um, now, in 70, you know, 76 and all that, punk was, was really taken off in, in the UK. And they, they played, the jam played with like an anger and a desperation that was very similar to what the punks were doing. Um, but they stood out. The reason they stood out was not just for wearing the suits and all that uh, and acknowledging that, that mod influence. They also acknowledged, you know, a love of the Beatles. They yeah. acknowledged a love of the Kinks. Yep. Okay, and 60s UK music. Oh yeah. And that didn't fly well with the punk scene. Okay, you weren't, you couldn't. I'll, 
a lot of the punk scene in in the UK was almost like uh, you, you couldn't recognize what you were influenced before. It was a hypocrisy. I mean, all these I mean, all these bands, even the Pistols, you know, um, they, they they covered the hoop. They did a cover of Substitute. Yeah. Okay. Um, but not too many bands were out there like admitting, yeah, we like the Who. These guys, know? these guys did a cover of, of the Batman theme song, which was covering <laughs> which the Batman theme song was something that the mods did. Yeah, uh, the early Who used yeah. to cover it. It's recorded on, uh, I think, a quick one. That album has the Batman theme. Um, another band, just I'll mention in passing, that was kind of similar to the Jam in, in admitting that they loved that kind of music was Generation X. Oh yeah, Generation uh, Billy, X. Billy Idol caught a lot of shit for admitting that they liked the Who. Yeah. Okay? They lost a lot of like street cred. But in what's that punk what scene. was wrong with the Who? Nothing. Nothing. The early Who is the early Who is the is the roots of punk. Yeah. If you listen to it. Uh, but at the time you just couldn't admit it because they were trying to forge something new, I guess, and, and I don't know. I think it's kinda hypocritical, but in hindsight you say that but at but let time. me ask you a question. Let's say if you're a band in the UK, yeah, you can pretty have a really good career without ever coming to the states. Yes or no? The Jam pretty much did. I mean, okay, they, didn't I mean have, they didn't have much American access at all. I know, but I mean, ain't that like incredible? You don't really need to go out of your. You can just stay in the UK and still make number one album, top forty albums. It's, well, first of all, I think most UK bands want to make it here. Of course you okay. want to make it here, but you but, also, you know, you don't really have to make it. No. It's the same thing like Brandy, when she wasn't, she went to the UK and became a rock star. They went to Australia and yeah. got big. Yeah. Uh, it's, I guess it depends on, your, you know, what you're looking to do. Uh, they, they pretty much stuck around in the UK. They did tour America. Oh, yeah. But they, they never really got big yet. But let me get into that after. Um... Early 77, Polydor Records picks them up. Yep. Okay, that was a big deal. And in April 77, they put out their first single, In the City. That's a great album. I love that song. I <laughs> love that song. song. And uh, it got to number 40 in the UK charts. Yep. Okay, so they were already right off the bat, first single, top 40. Top 40, yep. All right. So they had success like, yeah. right Well, away. they were that good. You know, they were, they, they were that good. They'd already been around for five fucking years. So if, if you're around for five years and people see you... Rehearsal, rehearsal, her, yeah. yeah. And remember, the UK is not that big. So you might be in Manchester, but you know what's going on down in London. Yeah. Okay? So, and if you're known as a great live act, which they were... Yeah. Okay? Uh, you have that reputation. Now you got a single out. People are going to be, ah, Let me tell out. you, I've seen some footage of them live and the energy and yeah. they, they, they were electrifying. They just went, they were like... In the, those early years, they, they, were, they were right to be lumped in with the punk scene yeah. because it was high energy, but, but they still wrote, they were different. I don't think they were punk. My thing Not is, really. I wouldn't even put, even though they called them a punk, punk rock or whatever, they were more like... It, they were like their own thing. They were yeah. more like a. They yeah. were the jam. They it were like the a jam. jam band. Right. It was just There's a, a bunch jam. of guys. Just let's yeah. go here, jam, rock no, it and, out. And I always like bands like that that you can't quite categorize. Motorhead's another one. Motorhead's like okay. that too. You, you can't quite categorize. Are they punk? But, are they metal? But what, what did that? What did that? We're rock and roll. He we're never called himself. Well, he never called himself. The jam. The jam. He never called himself punk. He never called himself no. metal. No. He said we're motorhead and we're rock and roll. What can you say about that? If anything, he said I just play Buddy Holly songs. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny, you know, but it's true. Um, May 1st of that year, 77, they would come out with their self-titled album, The Jam. And, you know, it was, it was, there was punk songs on there, but there was also, you know, old 
R and B hits like Larry yeah. Williams' "Slow Down." Yeah, slow and down. And that was a yeah. song that the Beatles had covered. Yeah, the Beatles. And they yeah. did a great version of it. Yeah, and they did and a great the theme version. to Batman, like we just talked about. Yeah. And uh, in the originals on that album, you could hear a lot of '60s rock and R and B influences. It's you not. Mean you can hear a lot of the who. A lot, a of, lot the of the who, right? And, and they had no. They had no qualms with just saying, "Yeah, we love the Beatles." I mean. In the context, they, that yeah. was taking a big risk in what they were saying. The lyrics were also political. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. In, in the city was basically a song about. I mean, there's, there's mentions of uh, police brutality and stuff like that going on. Uh, there was a song called "Time for Truth," which talked about the decline of the British Empire. Yeah. Now that was an interesting twist yeah. with them because it kind of showed them as pro-British when. You know, a lot of the punks were like, "Fuck the Queen." Yeah. Okay. Fuck the queen. And and you know. They used to perform with the Union Jack behind them, which got them labeled as a conservative band. I don't think they really were that much, but somewhat. Um, I don't think they were conservative at all. I don't think, you no. know what, they, they, they sang a lot of political things. But, but they, they talked about but, both sides. They but, got songs you know, about but, socialism. But, but they also didn't push it. It wasn't their agenda. They just were just singing songs about it. They weren't well, they, like, they wrote, some yeah. of the songs they wrote were, were almost like protest songs. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, yeah. I don't think they really picked the side, but you know how people are. They just sang about it. You know? They just sang yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, okay, so then after that album came out, they would put out an, uh, a non LP single. Mm-hmm. And they did this a lot. Okay. Yeah. I, I like bands that did this, where you could put the single out, it's not on the album, it's something to hold everybody off in between albums. Yeah. I, like, I like that. Uh, it was released in 1977. Uh, what the hell was it called? I, I, know am totally, called. I am totally off here. It was called This is the Modern World. Right, right, right. Was that the Yes, okay, and that would go to number 13. Uh, they would come out with a second LP that, that later that year called This is the Modern World, and it would be released in November, and it would come out and be number 22 in the album charts That's right away. Question. Okay. The title track was great. Uh, you know, that album had some contributions from Boxton on it for the first time. Okay, mm-hmm. I think what happened with that second album is Weller got a little of like a sophomore jinx kind of problem, yeah. where he was having having writer's block, <clears throat> and Foxton kind of stepped up and said, "All right, I'll write some songs." Yeah. Um, Basically, Foxton is kind of overshadowed by Weller. He's a good songwriter, yeah. too. Um, but and he could sing, too. And he could sing. And at the time, everybody, including the record company, was really just looking for Weller's songs. Yeah. So they kind of didn't take it seriously, but they did put it out. Um, in March of 78, they released a non-album single called News of the World, mm-hmm. and it was written and sung by Foxton as well. Okay, so this is in between their second and third albums. Uh, it got to number 27 in the UK charts, and it was actually the only Foxton single released as an A-side during the whole jam oh, yeah? history. Wow. That song, yeah, News of the World. And you still hear that today, I think, in the UK on the BBC. I yeah. think they use it on a certain show or something like that, I've heard. Oh, yeah? <sighs> yep. You know what's funny? They got so many songs that when you didn't really listen to them, that they got the underground, they got... Um, they got Miles in the city, uh-huh. Miles Town. Uh-huh. They got like they got the the other one. Um, 
the one the midnight the midnight um what is it something the midnight uh, oh, Jesus sure. Christ I forgot the fucking name yeah I need to stop smoking so much weed oh down in the down, down in, in the, the tube station at the, the midnight station. yeah 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 they did a cover of in the midnight hour yeah Wilson going underground yeah. uh huh yeah and they had so many songs that when you start listening you'll be like damn I know this song yeah. damn I know that song yeah but, you know, for that, that second album, um, there was a song by Foxton called London Traffic. Okay, oh, that's that a, was that's amazing. That's a real good song. And, you know, what was happening was uh, Weller was, I think, getting a little bit, you know, like I said, he was running out of ideas or whatever. Mm-hmm. Foxton was kind of stepping up to the plate. Uh, Polydor would then put them in the record studio for a third LP. Yep. And for some reason, I think they found Foxton's songs weak. They didn't want to put them out. And they were waiting for Weller to, to, write, to write some shit. And he went home. He actually, this must have been a, a tough period for him. Uh, yeah. He went home to Woking, and, uh, which was his hometown, and he just sat around listening to the Kinks. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to use that to get some inspiration. And, and they did. Uh, they yep. Actually, they would release uh, David Watts, the Kinks song, as a single. And... Uh, the, flip, the flip side was a song called A Bomb in Wardour Street. Oh, yeah. It was a great song. I had a great song. I think too. that was my song of the day today on, on Facebook. Yeah, it throws up there. A Bomb in Wardour Street. Like a, it's like a punk song, really. And it's all about the violence that was going on in the music scene in England at that time. You know, a lot of people, the punk scene was becoming very violent. Um, that would make it up to number 25 in the UK singles charts. November 78, the third LP called All Mod Cons. That's almost like a, like telling people, go fuck yourself. Kind of, like, yeah, like all you, all you fake mods, Go fuck, fuck you. yourself. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, Twelve songs. There was three previous singles on there, which I kind of thought goes against what they were doing when they were even releasing them on the album, but I guess they needed it to, to fill the album. Yeah. There was a song called Billy Hunt. Billy Hunt's a good song. And there was a song, song uh, it was an acoustic ballad called The English Rose. Mm-hmm. More non-LP singles would come along after that. They did that a lot. They did a lot, yeah. Uh, a song called Strange Town would hit number 15, and a song called When You're Young would be number 17. Now think about it, all these songs, they're all top 20, top 30, yeah. top 40 songs. These guys are cranking out hits. Hits after hits. And albums and at albums. the same time. It doesn't happen that often like nah. that, you know. <clears throat> they then would release a song called Eaton Rifles. That's and a great that song. That was in advance of a new album that was going to come out. That's a and great that, song. It is yeah, a great right. song. And it got to, to number three. Wow. Right, which I think was the highest at that point. November 79, they would release an album called the uh, Setting Suns LP. Mm-hmm. Now that got to number 137 in the U.S. charts. They were finally starting to make a little ripple. A little ripple. You know, um, the album was technically going to be a concept album, uh, but the songs didn't really all kind of gel like a concept album, so they gave up on that idea. Still, the songs were political. You know what's funny? Um, as of right now, even in the UK and here, the jam or the number one most important fucking like single is um, that's entertainment. Well, yeah. That's it's a like great the song. number one like imported that's, song yeah, to that's America. Their most, that's the probably I don't want to say their most famous, but I guess it's their most celebrated, most respected. It's the most celebrated, and, and it's like they were saying that they can even to today, 
Even when they re-released it, they put the song on one of the things and, 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 and people can't believe it. It's still uh they're still so popular that they still get they still get people wanting that. Then the other one well, that's the other one that is yeah. um just who is the five o'clock hero is the other one that's the most important song. And if you ever heard these songs, yeah, they're great songs. They're great. I mean that's entertainment is on the next album, so we're about a yeah. year year away or so from that. But that's a song that Weller and he doesn't do a lot of jam songs when he plays. Now. Yeah. He'll do maybe three or four. Yeah. That's one that he always does because everybody loves it. That's a, you know? But that's such a great song. Um, the video is great, too. It's just a simple, you know, they're sitting down on stools playing, but you, you catch the intensity of what they were writing about yeah. in that video. Um, there was a song on uh, the Setting Suns album called uh, Smithers Jones. That was a Foxton original too, and it actually had a string arrangement on it. Which That's a great song. It is. It is, and it was it sounded different than anything they really had ever released yeah. up until that point. I mean, they, they didn't really have strings in their music. 1980 would come, and they would release a single called Dreams of Children, and it was a double A side single: Dreams of Children and Going Underground. And that, that was their good. first going song, underground first song very to go song. to number one. Now, technically, there's an interesting little tidbit with this. Going underground was supposed to be the B-side. <laughs> and there was a mislabeling of it, okay? And they made it the A-side. And they made Dreams of Children to B when that was supposed to be the A. Yay. Okay? Now, the, the disc jockeys at the time, you would just play the A-side. Because that was, yeah. was going to be the hit. But they mislabeled it. So that going underground actually became a hit on accident. And oh it was just, just based on the fact of who they are, you know? Yeah. Um, years later, that would be corrected and it would be considered like a double A side. Double A you side. Because all the songs are good. Yeah. They went to the USA that year for the first time. Yeah. Okay. And they would go on American Bandstand and they would uh, do the song Heat Wave by... Martha, Martha and the Bandellas. Yeah. Okay. Which was a that was a staple Heat that the, that the Who used to yeah. do. Yeah. They recorded that in their yeah. mod years. You know. Um, they also appeared on a show called Fridays, which I don't know if you remember that. It was kind of like a Saturday Night Live thing, but it was on Fridays. On Friday. Yeah, like it had comedy skits yeah. and stuff. And they did a couple of songs on that show. Uh, later that year, they would release the Sound Effects LP, and uh, Weller right right off the bat. He said, uh, "If you, you know, if you're hearing the Beatles in this album, you're right. Yeah, because because we love we love the Beatles, especially the Revolver album, and that was a major influence on that, that Revolver particular album. album today. To today, that's a, that's a, I hate I, don't, I shit on the Beatles all the time because I don't like it, but that that's a good album. No, the Revolver's a great album. That's a good fucking album. And you know me, I'm not a Beatles fan. No, I'm not, and and I'm more of a Stones fan than a Beatles fan, but I still respect the Beatles." You can't, you can't not. I mean, how can you really... You can shit on them, but you don't really mean it. I like the, I like the, I like the Kings a lot more than the no, Beatles. Look, I mean, all those bands wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the Beatles. So yeah. I'm not going to shit on them that much. Sometimes they got some songs I, I just don't like, you know, but they have so many amazing songs that you just can't ignore it. I want to hold your hand. Get the fuck out of here with that crap. Hey, listen, if it wasn't for, it wasn't for that song, there'd be no stones, there'd be no kinks. I can't know. believe it. Yeah. Out of that fucking song. It's corny, but it's, it's fucking corny. great. It's a pop song. That's yeah, all it is. It's a fucking pop song. They never, they, they never doubted that they were a pop band. Yeah. You know? And I mean, the Beatles are the Beatles. You know, they just, you have to give it to them. 
one one influence that they the, the jam brought to everybody's attention on this sound effects album was kind of like a funk sound they were getting into. Yeah. And they claimed it was because they were listening to Michael Jackson's Off the Wall. That, you know, let me tell you. And I, I, when I was doing my research with this, I never, I mean, I know that album. It's not one of my favorite albums by let them. Let me tell you, to me, but that's my favorite I know, album. No, no, I know I you love, love that. I, I love know you that. love that. That had some great songs. Everybody uh, likes the Thriller, Twitter, Twitter oh, no, which was also a great album. Better album than Thriller. But uh, I love the uh, yeah. Off the Wall. Didn't sell as much, but it was still huge. Um, That's because he was still black before he got the dye job and yeah, turn his nose didn't fall his off. His nose didn't fall yeah. off. Turn into the circus. Yep, yep, yep. He was still just little Michael Jackson making little so Michael. <laughs> That's when he was great. Yeah, That's when he was great. I liked uh, the Jackson Five. I thought was I love the Jackson Five. I love the Jackson Five. Um, you can hear on this album sound effects, some psychedelic revolver sound yeah. stuff, and but then you know there's some funk cel- funk songs on there too. Now, this is the album with That's Entertainment on it. Yeah. Okay, so it, it, it's a classic album as far as the jam goes. It's not one of my favorites from them, other than the fact that it has that song. But if you listen to That's Entertainment, you can see the whole thing with the, the jam and the revolver. And the, you, it, yeah. it, it makes perfect oh, sense yeah. Yeah, right yeah, now yeah. when you think of what you, I mean, you mentioned there, that. There's a song on there called But I'm Different Now. And there's also another song called Pretty Green with a, with a funk bass line on it. Yeah. And... When I heard that album, I said, okay, these guys are starting to go in like a little different direction. Um, that album would make it to number two in the UK, and it would also make it to number 72 in the United States, which made it its most successful yeah. in the States ever, really, as the jam. Yeah. That was their most successful album. Uh, a song called Funeral Pyre and Absolute Beginners were non-LP singles Absolute that were released Beginners in 81. Now, Absolute Beginners will get to number four in the UK, and it wouldn't chart here at all wow. as a single. But there was a little company called MTV that was just starting out that year. And promo videos were, you know, they would play basically anything out there because there weren't that many of there them. There weren't that many, yeah. So that song, Absolute Beginners, was in heavy rotation on the early days of MTV. I kind of remember it. Uh, I went back and I watched the video this morning because I, I couldn't remember what it was. And I remember seeing it. But to be honest with you, I always thought it was shit. Right? It just, they, they have this like, you know, big horn spot in the song that just, well, it's not a spot, it continues through the, you know, it just, it's, it's a corny video with them like running around all over town and it's just like, you just watch it and you go like, right, that, that sucks. Like but, that song, The Big Country, in a big country. Yeah. I hate that song. <laughs> that, song that song, let me tell you, MTV for a shot, you couldn't get away from that no, song. It was fucking everywhere. <laughs> Wasn't that the only hit they ever had? I think that's the only song they ever had. Yeah, I think it was. Oh, my God. Well, you talk about the... Mod, the, 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 the early days of MTV. MTV was scary. You, you can't... You can't... It's funny, you know... Dude, we need to I do... I miss a, those days in a way. We need to do, like, a show of the early days of MTV. Oh, and yeah. I can see this fucking guy with long hair. Yeah. Like, what was it? Hunter or whatever? Alan Hunter. Alan Hunter. Alan with the blonde hair. Then you had Mark the other, Goodman. Mark Goodman. Right. J.J. Jackson. You, the, the, that came, Jackson. The, yeah, they came out of a factory. These people were factory made. J.J. <laughs> Jackson was a musician. Okay, he yeah. actually had a couple of singles out in the '60s. Oh yeah, that were actually pretty damn good. Yeah, he, he did have you, that. You wouldn't know. Yeah. You wouldn't know it was him, but it's, it's him. And they had the blonde. What was the blonde? Nina Hartley. No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. No, 
Nina Hartman. Hartman. You know who Nina Hartley is? Who? The porn star. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. No, Nina, Nina Hartman was the blonde, curly hair, and Martha Quinn. And, you know, and Martha Quinn. It's amazing that the, 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 the statue for MTV is the Moon Man. It's like the Moon Landing. The Moon Landing. But it's with the MTV fucking with the, with the MTV flag. Yeah. Every hour they used to do the rocket. Yeah. I'm sure we all remember that one. Uh, 1982 would come along. Take care, Mario. I'll see you guys. All right, man. 1982, they would come out with um, the album called The Gift. And this would be the last studio LP by the band. Yeah. Uh, it would make it to number one in the UK charts and number 16 in the Billboard USA charts. That's like uh, the highest. That's pretty yeah, good. That was that, that was the highest like... ever. Yeah. Um, it would be soul, funk, R&B style. Uh, there was a single called Town Called Malice. Ma- that's a great that's song. That's a good song. And a song called, uh, song called The Bitterest Pill. Bitterest Pill. Um, Beat Surrender. Beat Surrender is a very well, funny he d- song. Paul Weller doesn't sing that. There's a girl singer named, uh, uh, what the hell was her name? Uh, Tracy Young. Yeah. Okay, Tracy Young was like a British pop singer that they brought in to sing on that. And he would use her later on after the... For some reason, every time you say um, Tracy Young, I just thinking of uh, Tracy Lawrence. Because <laughs> we talked about porn, so now you're right. You're now your head's over there. My head's over there. <laughs> oh, shit. You'll be whipping out some videotapes today, right? Oh, man. We do a whole show on old school porn stuff. Oh, <laughs> Debbie does that. Yep, yep, yep. Ron Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> the Hedgehog. The Hedgehog. Then, you know, just as they were at their peak in England, Paul Weller decides to break up the band. Yep. All right. And in October of 82, they make that announcement. It came as a total shock to the other two guys in the band. And basically, Weller's attitude was, I want to go out at a peak. I don't want us to... Die, die, go, go off we, a cliff. We're going to leave your work. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. They're left on top. But, but Foxton and Buckler wanted to continue, all right? Obviously, they couldn't without Weller. And uh, the band would do some, uh, they would do some live shows, yeah. okay? They would sell out Wembley, I think five nights they would do, and the, and the tickets would be sold out in 20 minutes Jesus after Christ. they were announced. Um, they did a couple more live shows. They ended up releasing a live album Towards the end, they're based yeah. on the end of the band yep. called Dig the New Breed. Yep. Um, Door would release a 16-track album in 1983 of all their singles. It did so well, it caused the singles to go back on the charts. That's okay? incredible. I mean, that's how popular this band was. Yeah. Okay. Um, sadly, because of the way Weller broke up the band, Foxton wouldn't talk to him for 20 years. Oh shit! Okay, they they had a total falling out over this. Um, from eighty three to eighty nine, Weller, who you know he was saying he, he wanted to go on to other things. But he wound up making another band, a culture something, didn't he? Do? The Style what was Council. It? The Style Council. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I was, was. going to say. Yeah. From eighty three to eighty nine, he had a band called the Style Council, which I never heard anything from. I, that. I, I have. It's just new wave keyboard yeah, driven kind of stuff. Yeah. Nothing really interesting. He's he's a good songwriter. His lyrics are great. Uh, if I heard, music, what song do you think I would know from them? What's the song that they sing from the style concert? I really don't. I, I can't. I, I can't remember the names. I can remember the look, the way they looked. Yeah. Uh, they had that girl in the band. 
and Tracy Young. Oh, okay. Okay, Tracy so you know he really wasn't singing as she much. Would, she would sing. She was singing too. He was yeah. just putting the lyrics. Maybe that's yeah. why. Yeah, you wouldn't think it's him. Yeah. Um, in 1989, he would go totally solo, and he's been that way ever since. Last, yeah. last 20, 30 years now. Uh, 30 years now. And, um, but he never had any legal problem with people trying to take the songs, so he could play any of the jam songs, right? Well, he wrote them all, practically, yeah. except for the Foxton ones. I don't know, there was never any court things with them between the band members that I heard of. And because Foxton could still use yeah. the jam also. Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't go out as the jam. Okay, uh, Weller didn't go out as the jam, Foxton didn't go out as the jam, and Buckler didn't do it either, the yeah. drummer. Um, but in 83, Foxton started working with Jake Burns and Dolphin Taylor, two guys from the Irish punk band Still Fingers. Yeah. Which one of my favorite punk bands. Um, they had a single called Freak, and that came out in July of 83, and it went to number 23 on the UK charts, and they did a clip on Top of the Pops. Yeah. It's a cool little clip. I was watching it earlier. It's an okay song. I mean, it doesn't sound like Stiff Little Fingers. It doesn't really sound like the jam either. You know, it's kind of like its own little thing. Um, he would come out with a solo album uh, not too long after that called Touch Sensitive. And there'd be some singles and yeah. stuff released. Uh, he actually, in 90, 1990 to 2006, Foxton would actually be in Stiff Little Fingers. He joined the band. Mm -hmm. Okay, until he decided to hang it up in 2006. Um, Buckler, the drummer, okay, uh, he started a band called Time UK. They released about three singles. And then Buckler and Foxton released a single under the name of a band called Sharp in 1986. Yeah. And they had a song called Entertain Me. So, 2006, Wilder's been playing for close to 20 years solo. Totally, at this yeah. Point. Uh, him and Foxton reconciled. And uh, supposedly it was they met backstage and everybody was watching, kind of like their friends were like, what's going to happen? And the next thing, they're hugging each other. So they, they reconciled. Um, Weller would be coming out with an, uh, an album called uh, Wake Up the Nation in 2010. Yep. And he asked Foxton to contribute on two songs, which he yep. did. And they actually went on stage together when Weller played the Albert Hall in England. Yep. And it was the first time they'd been on stage in years and years. And that must have feel good. Yeah, but Foxton said there will never be a jam reunion. It's never going to happen. Um, and you know that's that's where we're at now. Well, Weller still still performs, not as much as usual, but he's still out there. But they had some not too long ago. They also released some other albums to jam the back back in the room and smash the clock. These are jams album that came. Are they? Later are they I I don't think they're real jam albums. I don't know about that. Uh, he said there wasn't going to be a reunion. I could be wrong. But that, they don't I have... I could have missed that. Well, well, not on this. Um, well, if well is, yeah, if yeah. Well is not on it, then it's... It's pretty much Bruce and I think... Surprised Weller well let him do it. Yeah, so they yeah. did something I've never like heard that. those albums. I've yeah. Never, yeah, I didn't know If you that. look them up, they got they got them. I was looking it up and they just... There also a lot of reissues yeah. and one or two new songs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they would come and out of the greatest well, hits. And I think Weller did one, yeah. did some help, and they did some backing in one yeah. of them, and that's They help each was. other out. Yeah. I mean, these guys work great together. It's just, uh, I think that there was just still a lot of resentment, probably, from Weller breaking the band up in the first place. But they didn't break up because they had drug abuse. They didn't break up nothing. They just, no. Weller just say, fuck it. That's, he just we, said, we're, we're going to go out on top. I mean, this has happened. Other bands have done this, but it's, yeah. it came as, as a shock to the other guys because I heard that, 
they were going to have a band meeting or something and they were supposed to talk about something else and all of a sudden he just announces that out of the blue you know but he didn't want to be he didn't want to, he wanted to kind of like uh see what he could do different you know do you think maybe that had something to do with the studio maybe pushing pushing their hands you guys are doing well he, it's not like he went no, it's not like he went out solo he started another band yeah so i don't think it was the studio pulling weller away they had a good thing with the jam they weren't going to do that i mean they were selling millions of records just the way they were yeah so that's still bugged yeah. out like they just hey all right we're done yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. holy shit i mean Labels do that. I mean, you know, it happened with uh, with Queen. You know, they wanted to pull Freddie Mercury away. Oh yeah, make him a solo. It happened in the Ramones. I mean, oh, yeah. when uh, when Phil Spector met with Joey, he wanted Joey to do a solo album. He didn't want yeah. the rest of the band. Yeah. So you know, that's yeah. I mean, Joey almost joined Eddie. Almost joined Van Halen. That <laughs> would have been great. Eddie Van, Eddie Van Halen was considering asking him to join after David Lee Roth left. Imagine that. That would have been fucking that fantastic. Would have, that would have been, I don't know. I don't know. That let, would have been just weird. Let me tell you. You know what? You know what the problem is. <laughs> when uh, Van Halen broke up, uh, when when David Lee Roth left, I think Van Halen was sober. Oh yeah. Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar was, sucks. But he was like, uh, no, he sucks. He and, was and, like that whole Van, that whole Van like, Halen era with Sammy Hagar. He was like a girl. Disaster. And then didn't they fight, didn't finally get back together? And they had the lead singer for In Excess. Oh, for no. a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Extreme, uh, Extreme or whatever. Oh, that band was cool. That yeah. guy sucked. Oh yeah. That was a. That was like one shit. album, right? To the point yeah. that they brought back David. Yeah. They had to make the, uh, David Lee Rowe back. Well, it Rowe took back. years before they brought it. Before but they David Lee Rowe had a great solo album, I thought. He had some good songs on it. Well, what's funny is he 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 wanted he he, he bitched about it, the 1984 album mm-hmm. having too much keyboards on it, right? David Lee Roth, yeah. the jump and all that, right? Well, and that's great. And, well, I yeah, he bitched, he bitched about it. He said, "Oh, that's one of the reasons I'm leaving. I don't want to be in a keyboard band." But then when you listen to his fucking solo album, it's all okay. keyboards are on. It's like, okay, you're an idiot. Actually, David Lee Roth's a character. I mean, the guy went up to the Bronx and became paramedic for a while. Yeah. I mean, was that nuts? Was that nuts? That, oh, my God. Oh, so man. what else you got? What we got? Album Mike? of the week. It's going to be three albums of the week. Holy shit, three albums. Okay. And the reason I say it's going to be three albums is because it's going to be the first three jam albums. All right. All right. In the city, this is the modern world, and all mod cons. That's all you need from this band. And here's where I shit on the jam for a minute. All right, I feel that that is those three albums is representative of what the jam were. The last three albums, studio albums, are maybe something else, something that they were experimenting. I don't find it as interesting. Okay, that's entertainment is on the fourth album. Great song. They that have they got song. high spots. Okay, on those those last three. But if you want to know the jam, it's the first three. First three. The first three. That's my opinion. The first three are very good, powerful album with great powerful. Song. You got you know it. You could hear the R and B influences. You could hear the the punk influences, and it's just to me amazing stuff. In the city is like. One of the greatest singles to come out of the UK that in the is, 70s. That is a great single. Yeah. I was listening to that this morning. I was listening to Marathon and That's Entertainment. Before and, um, that's Entertainment. Going Underground, too, was yeah. pretty good. I mean, they were one of the last of the real singles bands of that era. You know, not too many. You know, singles have gone by the way of, uh, you know, the Dodo Bird. It's extinct. Yeah. You know, but, you know, singles no one gives a shit about. But 
then they were doing something interesting between the, the, the non-LP singles and a few that ended up on the album. All good songs. You know what the problem is? You know, you got too much... Um, you could just grab something. Like, you, you could grab a whole album. You, you, you could release a single and people could get it online right away. Uh, it's, it's, not like it used to be, it's not like it used to be you released a single, like... Nobody could touch you. Be on the radio. You hear it on you the radio. You hear it's coming. You had to wait for it to be yeah. released. Yeah. Now people get it like instantaneously. Whoa, here's a new That's single. That's the culture today. Boom, a new single. Here's another yeah. new single. It's like, what the fuck? No, and half of this shit... That they you saturate you with mediocre music today. Really, that's what they do. Yeah. They saturate you with mediocre music... Hoping that these songs are big hits. I don't know. Does anybody? Nobody buys CDs, so there's really no record sales anymore. No, it's you know, digital it's all sales. about no, download sales. sales. Download, yeah. I don't even know. Did, how do they figure out sales today? Don't they take into consideration the downloads? Right? It's not just sales of, of CDs and stuff. It's yeah. the downloads. So, do they include things like you know the jukeboxes? No. No. I mean, what's you know. But the only way you can do that, because now with the jukebox, then you got a lot of jukebox that you can download the song. Maybe they do have a tracking. This guy got downloaded, downloaded, yeah, a lot. Was downloaded a lot. Was downloaded a lot. Yeah. Like if you go to Coyote, they got to download jukebox. And to fucking shit the download, there used to be a country bar. Now yeah. I don't know what the hell it is. You never know what you're going to hear. Because now they, they play whatever the hell they want. Because they got before where they had like a jukebox. I, I remember jukebox. going there when it was just country music in there. Yeah. It was like going to the Patriot book, you know, yeah, something like that. So, or yeah. even like going to Doc Holliday's Doc Holliday's country. is a lot of country, yeah. Country music, and it's good, but they also got a lot of rock and roll. It's they not do. just country, yeah, you know? Yeah, 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 they got both. They, got, know, they both. got both. They got a good mixture. Uh, one other thing I want to plug today, and I'm going to plug this every time it comes out, is the new Ugly Things magazine was just released, issue number 51. Uh, Ugly Things is like the best music magazine out there now. They've been around for a long time. Uh, but Mike Stacks, the guy who's in charge, he's been putting them out, I think, about three a year, where it used to be a little less than that. Um, it's a fantastic magazine. It's got everything from 60s Garage to stuff going on now in rock and roll and, and all kinds of offbeat stuff. They have reviews on We got to call CDs. that guy and see if he could give us a little plug on his magazine. Say that we plug him in, the, in our... I actually talk to him on Facebook because in the last episode uh, last episode the last issue they he, there's a section every month where it's like gone but not forgotten people yeah. that died and they mentioned uh, Rick Rivets oh yeah, yeah yeah you did say that yeah and uh, I, I thanked him after and he was like oh no problem and everything you know so maybe 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 we can give just reach little, out to him reach out give us a little yeah. plug or something or yeah. maybe you know call him and have him on the show or whatever yeah no he's a, he's a very cool guy I've never met him uh, I don't even know what he looks like but he's just a very cool guy just for what he does keeping this music alive you know, in, yeah. in, in print form, you know, and you can read print, it. I mean, I always go right to the, the, re, the reviews. That's the first thing I look every every issue. What's yeah. what's out there? What's the new releases? Because there's nothing advertising this stuff today. It's no. not the point. Um, two shows coming up. We got one this week. The Stray Cats are playing Pier 17 on Tuesday. Wow. The 6th. And there are still tickets available, I believe. Uh, then we got Social Distortion. Social August Distortion. August 25th. 25th. Three weeks from today. And um, 
I got to plug in our next two shows, a two-parter David Bowie show. Yeah, uh, next week, which is the 11th, will yep. be the first part, and then the second one will be the 18th, and birthday. that's my birthday party. So we'll finish party up Bowie and get lumped up after that. And get lumped up after that. Yeah. Everybody come down. The party will be from 1 to 4 at the International for my 50th birthday. Try to make it, get you lumped up. That's all I got, buddy. That's all you got? That's and got. Um, next week is David Bowie for two weeks. Then after that, we're also going to do a social D yeah, show. The, the day of the show, because uh, uh, we're going to that show, Yeah. Uh, we'll do a nice history on social distortion, one of the best bands ever, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. They're great. They're fucking yeah. great. So, people, remember, don't get, get drunk, drunk, get, get lumped, lumped up. up.